Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Let's talk football this morning. You can keep those conversations going. Um, Obviously, the quarterfinals of the World Cup now get underway tomorrow morning. I ran through the lineup a little bit earlier, but you all know the drill. There's eight teams left. But the big question for us is what next for Australian football off the back of the Socceroos' incredible run? Joining us is Football Australia CEO James Johnson. Good morning, James. Welcome to the program. Good morning, Matty. How are you? I'm good. How are you? How are you after that roller coaster adventure that you've been on, finally back home in Sydney? Gee, it must have been one extraordinary ride. Uh, I'm, just, I'm very excited. It was an amazing campaign, uh, both on the pitch but also off the pitch, particularly given the level of support that uh, the team and the delegation had in Qatar by the Australian football community. It was really phenomenal. Now that the dust is settling, obviously the World Cup continues, James, and you'll be um, tapping in from afar. What's your overriding message of takeaway, do you think, for Australian football off the back of the Socceroos' success? Well, the Socceroos have now qualified for five consecutive uh, World Cups. Uh, This campaign was the most successful campaign uh, we've ever had. Um, We're hosting a Women's World Cup in uh, seven or eight months um, so the message is this is a golden era uh, for Australian football and every football fan and sports fan, um, I hope, uh, support the game through this period because it's, uh, it's going to be super exciting. How aware were you while you were over there watching this unfold of the support back home for the Socceroos? Oh, we were very aware uh, as it was all unfolding. Um, it's amazing... Uh, how much the executives, how much the coaches and how much the players um, are, are connected through social medias uh, in particular. Um, so it, we could feel the support over there and it was a fantastic feeling and I think that helped the, the level of performance that the team uh, had. What about the road to the World Cup itself? How much do you think that instilled such resilience in this team when they got there? Just four of those 25, uh, 20 qualifying matches were played on Australian shores. COVID came into the mix. I mean, it was a rough road to get there. It was. It was, it was the most successful campaign, but also the most complex. Um, and it was complex, of course, due to COVID. And every other team um, did have a level of complexity with their own uh, qualifying campaigns. But I think for us... Um, what was uh, more complex was the fact that Australia had its borders closed for most of that period, and many of our matches were actually played outside of Australia um, that were supposed to be at home. So I think that brought a level um, of togetherness, both as the organisation, but also um, for the players and the teams themselves. And I think when the going got tough uh, in, 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 in Qatar, I think the team could stand up because of that complex process that they'd all been through. And the FIFA World Cup itself in Qatar was always going to be complex given where it is. And and let's be honest about that. You guys got on the front foot with this and we've spoken at length on my program about how the Socceroos 
It was a bold move to release that video, and obviously you would have known that there could have been some blowback there. So can you take me through the steps around that and how Football Australia decided to go ahead with that and probably in the face of knowing that there could have been some sort of fallout? Yeah, look, we we, uh, we spent about a year prior to the World Cup um, educating uh, ourselves. We spoke with... Um, many different stakeholders on, on both sides of this, this debate. Um, we, we, we spoke uh, a lot to our players and really tried to understand uh, what was important to the players themselves. And what we wanted to do at the end of the day is, 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 is have a statement um, from both the players and the organisations, uh, organisations that had uh, good alignment. But we also wanted to juggle um, the, the, the balance between making a statement that the organisation and the players felt good about, um, but also allowing the players to focus on football. So um, we agreed with the players that a statement would go out uh, around about four weeks before the tournament started. Uh, and then after that, it was, it, was, it was business, it was football, and they got focused. And I think um, that helped the team because they went out early, uh, and I think they were seen as leaders socially, at the World Cup and then other countries and other teams followed, but also allowed the team to, to really focus on, on the pitch and their performance on the pitch. And I think, uh, and I think they did, and, and, and they did a fantastic job. Yeah, I think it was a brave move, and it was a very smart move as well. From, from your desk as CEO of the organisation, did you, did you think it might have been a risky move? Yeah, look, there's, there's always risk, um, but you know, risk just needs to be managed. So we we, we did um, what we could, and uh, we we had the meetings that we needed to to have um, both before the statement went out and after. And, and really, our job was to ensure that the players were um, supported, they were protected, and ultimately they could focus on their training and their preparation and, and their playing. So. Um, yeah, that was that was the, the the process we went through. So James, obviously, when you came back to Sydney and came back to Australia, you would have known that a lot of people now want to know what's next for both football Australia and, in particular, for the Socceroos and obviously Graham Arnold. So let's attack that on three fronts. Let's start with your coach. He's having a holiday, well deserved. When do you think that you will get a a chance to speak to him, and how do you think that process? takes place it's obviously all part of the review that you'll do yeah so we're finishing off the the review of the the four-year cycle that's just concluded and we're starting our planning for the next uh, four-year cycle which i want to stress is they're very different cycles so we're going into the 2026 uh, world cup there'll be more teams there's 48 teams going to the 26 world cup whereas there was only 32 that went to qatar um, so that's a big change. Um, so there'll be, um, we need to think about it uh, in, in, in these terms. Um, the appointing the head coach is, is the starting point. Um, we know Graham is, is off contract. You know that. Um, we are in touch with Graham. I speak with Graham regularly. Um, he does need a holiday. He needs to recharge because it's been a very complex, complex uh, campaign. Um, so we, we'll, we'll talk with him. He'll talk with us. Um, we're not going to rush the decision. There's no need to because the team uh, doesn't play again until March, and, and in March it's a friendly window anyway. Um, so we just want to get that decision right, not rush anyone, uh, do the right planning, talk to Arnie. We won't be talking to, to others or going to market in the meantime. Um, and once Arnie's back from his holiday, 
uh, in early January, and once we completed our review around about the same time, um, then we'll have um, some 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 meetings about uh, what's next with with Graham, and we'll put our view on the table, and and, and Graham will as well, and let's see where we land. So, understandably, there's a, there's that process to go through, and the, and time is essentially on your side in that one. When you say not going to market, does that mean that it's Graham's job if he wants it? Well, we've got to agree terms, right? Like things are different now to what they were four years ago. So Graham's value has gone up, but so too has the Socceroos. Um, you know, he's a very attractive coach and we're a, a very attractive uh, employer, um, given uh, who, who the Socceroos are, the brand strength, the golden era that the foot, football is in, and also the easier qualification um, process. So we've just got to make sure that, um, uh, you know, we, we, we would structure an agreement that, is is fit for this time that might look different to, to what it was four years ago. And ultimately, Graham's got to be happy and so do we. So, um, you know, I think some stability for this team uh, would be a good thing. But, you know, that's going to play out uh, in a negotiation that we'll have with Graham. So what's next for the Socceroos then? Well, we have to wait until, like you say, you know, the, the next window that we get and that opportunity arises in March. What is next for the game? We had a very solid debate on my program, James, earlier in the week about how football capitalises on this success. And I know that you've already earmarked player development will be at the centre of this. So can you explain that? Yeah, so look, uh, player development is is your foundation because the the more better players you develop, the the better, obviously, our domestic competitions, the A-Leagues, the Australia Cup, the NPLs are, um, and ultimately the better the national teams are. But I think where we're different and where this new administration uh, distinguishes itself from, from our former ones is we really believe that we are a local and global sport and really we believe that's where our strength is. And in order to keep this level of interest, we really need to leverage the global game. Um, We've obviously had a very successful World Cup campaign. That's fantastic. We know we've got the Women's World Cup that we're hosting in seven or eight months' time. Um, But we also need to fill the gaps, like the international windows or the, uh, the European summer, with big national teams coming out to Australia to play our Socceroos and big clubs as well, coming out uh, during the, 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 the club season breaks to play um, on on our shores. We believe that bringing this global aspect, um, which our sport is set up perfectly for, to our local communities is a way that we can really um, maintain that level of interest. And player development is, is right at the centre of that. The more players that we're able to move on um, to the big global leagues from our uh, domestic competitions, the better it builds the profile and the brand of the sport, not just in Australia, but all around the world. And, and that's what we think we need to do. And that's what we think the opportunity is for local football. There was a recurring theme from a lot of my listeners and a lot of those involved in the game about how do we, how do we capitalise on this success? How do we make football in Australia get bigger and better and just continue this role? And you know what it came back to? A lot of people were saying it's too expensive. We need to make it cheaper for the grassroots and kids coming through. Now, obviously, the structure of football has changed. Um, football Australia has its role. We've got the A-Leagues and um, their organisation on the other side. How much of a say and a role do you play in that part? And how much do you think that needs to be focused on on the game overall? Yeah, it is. It, 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 it is a challenge. But we really need to be specific here because I, I feel like there's a 
general perception, um, but I'd like to be specific with how we answer that. Um, we are the biggest community sport, the biggest club sport in the country by a mile. Um, and in the most part, community football is, is very reasonably priced. The issue is, the challenge is, in a small but important part of our ecosystem, it's in the elite levels, it's the NPL level. And this is a challenge. And this is where you see the registration fees that are sometimes $2,000, um, and it's too high. But we, we, we need to be clear that this area, this problem is at the NPL level, not the general community level. Most community uh, clubs um, cost around two, three. $400 uh, per year, which is pretty um, competitive compared to other sports. The big fees are at the NPL levels. And what we need to do is we need to work collectively um, with our state federations. We need to work collectively with our NPL clubs um, about how we reduce those costs on one hand, but also where we can add value is, is looking at ways that we can create alternate pathways um, so that no uh, children um, have, have barriers in, in front of them in the elite pathways. And that's something that we're looking at. Um, we are a new administration. It is on, on our agenda. And in 2023, we'll be, able, uh, we'll be coming out with a plan of attack to reduce the cost of, um, of elite football uh, in Australia and create new uh, pathways for those um, that that um, could 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 move forward, and, and and perhaps the NPL is a barrier for. So the dust is settling, and the World Cup continues. But it sounds to me as though the the job's only just beginning for you and your organisation. Before I let you go, when you reflect on the matches that Australia played, the ups and downs along the way, and of course that magical finish, albeit going down to Argentina in the round of 16, was there a moment for you as a fan? that stood out in particular, that got your heart rate going? Look, I, I, there, there were a number, <laughs> I must say. Um, but I think uh, think about the, around about the time we scored uh, against Denmark was, was the moment. Um, but it was only a moment because around that same time, um, you, you know, Tunisia were leading 1-0 against France. And it was a very complicated uh, time I had Timmy in my Timmy Cahill in my ear uh, briefing me about the result of the other game, um, but we, we we were worried because we knew if we conceded a goal um, we wouldn't be going through because uh, Tunisia were beating France and you know who would ever have thought that was the case. So the moment for me was a lucky goal, but it it was only a moment <laughs> because the other match was being played contemporaneously, and I must say it was a very stressful second half of football um, for me. And same too, back here as well for so many thousands uh, around the country. It's been a great ride. I appreciate your time today and I understand, you know, that you, you need a bit of a breather, but obviously the work continues. Like I say, the hard work continues. Congratulations to your organisation and obviously to the Socceroos and let's see what happens next uh, off the back of this fantastic performance. Thanks for your time, James. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me on your show. Cheers.